Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, An-Nabiyyu, ayah number six, An-Nabiyyu, the Prophet, meaning the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He is awla, he is more worthy. He is more wali. The word awla means more wali. Now wali is from the root letters, wawlam, yeah. Alright? And what does it literally mean? When two or more things that are like each other come one after the other. Alright? With nothing that is not from them coming in between. And I know it's a long definition, but just understand the concept, okay? So two or more things that are the same, right? That belong to the same category. So for example, let's say group Fatima. Is there a group Fatima? Okay, there is a group Fatima. So, Let's say five students from group Fatima, they are sitting next to each other. Alright? And there's no person sitting between them who doesn't belong to group Fatima. This is the literal meaning of the word wali. Okay? Closeness. Right? So first of all, there's closeness, and then there's togetherness. There, There's unity over here, being together. So this is the meaning of the word wali. Now, the word wali is understood in different ways. It's understood as friend. It's understood as protector. It's understood as one who is close to the other. Alright? So over here, awla bil mu'minin. The Prophet ﷺ is most wali to the believers. This has been understood in two ways. First of all, awla means aqrab, meaning closest. The Prophet ﷺ is closest to the believers. He is closer to them, nearer to them, in terms of care, concern, sincerity. Alright? Min anfusihim. Than themselves. Meaning, than they are to themselves. Anfusihim, themselves. Or to each other. Themselves or to each other. What does this mean? That no matter how sincere a person is to himself. The Prophet ﷺ is always more sincere to him. A believer cannot well wish for himself the way the Prophet ﷺ wanted good for him. Think about it. How often is it that we're concerned about ourselves, our well-being, our success? Isn't it? Our welfare. We're so concerned about it. But... The Prophet ﷺ was more concerned for our success, for our well-being, for our safety, our security, our success in dunya and akhirah. He cared about us more than we care about ourselves. Min anfusihim. And min anfusihim is also understood as than the believers are to each other. So for example, our parents want good for us, our friends want good for us. But the Prophet ﷺ's love and care and compassion and concern for us was always greater than even the care and compassion that our parents have for us. Think about it. Just think about the incident of a ta'if. Who is that person who is that person who would be humiliated and chased out of a city to the point that his feet are bleeding and when he takes his sandals off, his skin gets peeled off. And then when he's asked, revenge? He says no. Can you imagine? He said no. No revenge over here. You never know. Maybe from their children, there will be those who, who will believe. Doesn't that show to us that the Prophet ﷺ really wanted Good for the believers, for his ummah. 
Because generally, when we are in pain, who is it that we think about? First and foremost, ourselves. Our reputation. Isn't it? Our security, our physical health, our safety. But the Prophet ﷺ, he cared more about the ummah than he cared, than we can care for ourselves. So, النَّبِيُّ أَوْلَى بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ No matter how much sincerity the believers have for each other, the Prophet ﷺ is more sincere. Why is this being said over here? Because these commands are being given to us through who? Through the Prophet ﷺ, right? He was going to show the practical implementation of all of these commands which are to come in the surah. So when we know that somebody wants good for us more than we want good for ourselves, do we develop trust in them? We do, right? So what we are being told over here is, just trust your messenger. Just trust him. Don't doubt his sincerity. Never ever doubt it. So if there is any command that the Prophet ﷺ gave you, just take it. Because the Prophet ﷺ only wanted good for you. If he prohibited you from something, accept that prohibition. Because he only wanted good for you. You know, many times we find ourselves in a situation where we are being told to do something that we don't want to do at all. But the other person who is advising us, what do they tell us? Just trust me. Right? Just trust me. Why is it that we listen to them? Because we can see the concern, the sincerity in their eyes. We can feel it in their words. We can sense it. An example of this would be parents. Right? But what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell us? That the Prophet ﷺ, he cared more for us than we could care for ourselves. Secondly, the reason why this is being mentioned is because Zayd anhu was no longer going to be called the son of Muhammad ﷺ. So there may be those who feel sorry for him. For who? For Zayd anhu. Well, they should know that the well-wishing of all the believers combined is less than the well-wishing of the Prophet ﷺ for Zayd anhu. This change will not change him in his affection. The change of name is not going to change the affection that the Prophet ﷺ has for Zayd anhu. Now, النَّبِيُّ أَوْلَى بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ The Prophet ﷺ is closer to them, closer to believers than themselves. If you think about it, even parents do not bear this much hardship for their children as much as the Prophet ﷺ bore for his ummah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala testifies to this in the Qur'an when he says, لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِّنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِ مَا عَنِتُّمْ حَرِيصٌ عَلَيْكُمْ Anything you suffer, it's very difficult for the Prophet ﷺ to bear that. And he's very haris for anything good for you. He wants success for you. بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَؤُوفُ الرَّحِيمُ With the believers, he is compassionate and kind, merciful. You see, many times it happens that even our closest loved ones, what will happen at a time of difficulty? Even they will, you know, leave us. Or they will say, okay, this is your problem, you've got to deal with it. Has it ever happened that you are in a lot of pain, you're, you're sick, you've got fever, and you're like, oh, come here. They're like, yeah, yeah, I'm coming. Isn't it? 
Like they show that even they're getting fed up of taking care of you, of looking after you. The Prophet ﷺ always had more concern. The Prophet ﷺ said, أَنَا مَوْلَى مَنْ لَا مَوْلَى لَهُ This is a hadith in Abu Dawood. That I am the mawla of the one who has no mawla. Meaning I am the patron, I am the relative you could say of the one who doesn't have any. Because there were many people in Arab society who literally had no idea about their family. Because how often it would happen that Arab tribes would raid other tribes and they would just capture children and then sell them into slavery and then sold from one family to the other, to the other, to the other. And by the time he's freed, he doesn't even know where he's from or who he is. So there were people like this. And this is something that will always happen. You know, the rules are there. أُدْعُوهُمْ لِأَبَائِهِمْ But human beings are imperfect, right? So even in the most ideal Islamic society like that of Medina, there were people who had no idea about their lineage. And you know what? That's fine. That's fine. Because human beings are imperfect. So there will always be cases of people who, for example, have no idea about their identity, about their family background. And that is fine. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, أَنَا مَوْلَى مَنْ لَا مَوْلَى لَهُ I am the mawla of the one who has no mawla. What that means is that if this person were to die, who were to take care of their family? I would. If this person were to die, and they had a debt, who's gonna take care of it? I would. You understand? So, النَّبِيُّ أَوْلَى بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ the second meaning of awla is awla meaning ahaqqu. Ahaqqu meaning more entitled, more deserving. Okay? Because wali, the one who's close to you, he has the most haq on you. He has the most right upon you. Isn't it? So, an-nabiyyu awla bil mu'minina min anfusihim, meaning the Prophet ﷺ is more worthy, more deserving of the believers then they deserve themselves. Then they deserve each other. What does it mean by that? Do you have a right upon yourself? Do you have a right upon your, let's say your money? Do you? Your well-being? You do, right? You have a right upon yourself. But the Prophet ﷺ's right upon us is greater than our right upon ourselves. Why? Let me make this easier for you. If let's say you got a summer job, okay, and you made some money, you earned some money, okay, you earned that money and you went and you bought yourself, let's say, a bike, okay, now how do you treat that bike? What do you say? It's mine. Isn't it? So even if six years later, when you don't ride that bike anymore for whatever reason, and somebody says, why don't you give it away? What do you say? I bought it with my money. It's mine. So even if it sits and rots and, you know, gets whatever, I don't care. It's mine. I have a right upon it. Nobody can take that bike away from you, can they? Can they? No. I mean, generally the things that your parents give you, you know, okay, your parents gave it to you, so you're like, okay, fine, you have a right upon it. But if it's something that you bought yourself, even your parents can't take it away from you. This is what happens in our families, right? So, what we learn from this is that النَّبِيُّ أَوْلَى بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ The Prophet ﷺ has more right upon us than we have a right upon ourselves. Meaning we should care about the Prophet ﷺ more than we care about 
ourselves. Why? Because He did for us what we wouldn't even do for ourselves. Really, He did. The way He endured, the way He suffered, the way He sacrificed, we wouldn't even do it for ourselves. Nobody would work hard as much as the Prophet ﷺ did. You know, receiving revelation even was something so heavy, so difficult, so painful. So much so that the Prophet ﷺ was sitting on a camel and the revelation came on a journey. And what happened? The camel, you know, its knees, its bones, they could be heard cracking as it was trying to walk. The pressure was so much. On cold, wintry nights, what would happen? The Prophet ﷺ would sweat. Can you imagine? Would we ever go through that much difficulty just to receive maybe a page of the Qur'an? Would we? Think about it. How much do we care about ourselves? We don't actually care about ourselves. We get trapped by our own desires. The Prophet ﷺ sacrificed a great deal for us. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, النَّبِيُّ أَوْلَى بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ His right is always greater. So defend him, support him, love him, obey him, follow him. This is his right. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, There is no believer except I am the closest of all people to him in this world and in the hereafter. Recite if you wish. And then he recited this ayah. Have you ever felt lonely? Have you ever felt that maybe there is nobody who cares about you? Have you had those moments when you feel like you don't know who you belong to? You know, this ayah is about those believers in particular who don't have families. Okay? So if ever you come across, if you yourself happen to be, or you come across somebody who doesn't know about their identity, really, They don't know what country they're from, who their family is, who their parents are. Or they feel alone simply because they never saw their parents. They grew up away from their parents because their parents passed away or for whatever reason. And I can totally understand the loneliness that you can feel. What does this ayah is such a big comfort? The Prophet ﷺ is your wali. He's your wali. He did things for you long before even you were born. He cared about you. He promoted your rights long before even you were born. You are a part of His ummah. You're not a loner. The Prophet ﷺ is close to you. He said, there is no believer except that I am the closest of all people to Him in this world and in the hereafter. النَّبِيُّ أَوْلَى بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ وَأَزْوَاجُهُ and his wives, meaning the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, who are they? أُمَّهَاتُهُمْ Their mothers. Whose mothers? The mothers of the believers. Ummahat is a plural of um. Meaning the position of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ is like that of a mother. Now this doesn't mean that they are like biological mothers, no. It's the status that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted the wives of the Prophet sallallahu That just like your mother is, you know, a man, he cannot marry his mother. Likewise, no person could marry the wives of the Prophet sallallahu even after his death. Right? Just as a man is to respect his mother, similarly he was to respect 
the wives of the Prophet ﷺ. وَأَزْوَاجُهُ أُمَّهَاتُهُمْ And this is so beautiful. You see Aisha anha. Did she have any children of her own? No, she didn't. But it's amazing how when the Sahaba would come, when the Tabi'een would come to learn from her, to ask her, they would call her as, O Mother. O Mother. Look at the honor that Allah gave her. Then Allah says, وَأُلُوا arhami," And those of relationship. The possessors of the wombs, literally, meaning those of relationship, those who have blood ties with each other. بَعْضُهُمْ Some of them are awla, They are closer, meaning more entitled. They have more right. بِبَعْضٍ To others. Meaning, those of blood relationship, people who are related through blood, they have more right upon each other. Compared to who? Compared to who? Compared to the rest of the believers. And this is according to what? Fi kitabillah. In the decree of Allah. Kitab over here means decree, command, law. Or it can be understood as kitab as in lawhul mahfuz. So according to the law, the decree of Allah, blood relatives, they have rights upon each other. More rights than who? Min al-mu'mineen than the believers in general. What does this mean? This means that people who are related through blood, they have greater right upon each other than those who are related to you through your faith. You understand? Family ties, family ties, you know, blood ties, they have their own place. You see, you consider all the Muslims as your brothers and your sisters. Right? They have a special place in your heart, in your life. But then there are certain rights that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted to those who are related to you through blood. Like your mother, like your father, like your brother, like your children. You understand? Your uncles, your aunts, these are people who are related through blood. They have their own place, they have their own rights. And those rights can never ever be disregarded, can never ever be ignored, just because you love or you have more affection for some other group of believers. You understand? Now this ayah in particular, what this is referring to is, remember when the Muslims migrated to Medina? What happened? The Prophet ﷺ established ukhuwa, brotherhood between the believers. Correct? And that meant that a muhajir, an immigrant, was now made a brother of who? An ansari. Alright? So when they were made brothers, what did that mean? That if one of them died, the other would inherit... Inherit what? His property. They were brothers in deen. And this was allowed initially at the beginning. When this ayah was revealed, the previous command was abrogated. You understand? And this is such a beautiful balance that Allah has taught us over here. Because sometimes what happens is that in our zeal and our you know emotional state or our love for certain believing brothers and sisters... We compromise on our duties, our obligations to our families. That would be ghul. Remember that one of the companions, he was very well off. Right? And when he was close to his death, he asked the Prophet ﷺ, he said, I'm basically leaving behind only one daughter. Right? She's going to inherit. Can I give all of my wealth as charity for the Muslims in general? And the Prophet ﷺ didn't permit him. He didn't. He said only up to a third. And he said even that is a lot. Even that is a lot. 
Because what happens is that sometimes when you are, you know, studying the religion or trying to follow the religion properly, you may develop certain differences with your family members. But those differences should never ever lead you to cut ties with them. It should never ever lead you to commit injustice with them. Because these relationships, they are sacred. Declared sacred by who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The right has been taken away from us. We don't declare, oh you are my brother and you are my sister and you are my mother and you are this. We don't choose. Allah chooses our relatives for us. And these relatives, these relationships are sacred and we have to respect them. And disrespecting them would be disrespecting who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean of course the law is more than just this. This is just one side of the law that I explained. We do learn about it that for instance, a non-Muslim does not inherit from a Muslim and vice versa. All right? That has its own place. This was done initially for the Muhajirun because they had nobody. They had no place to stay. You understand? They had left behind their family, their tribe, and they were like people without any protection, any support. We are human beings, right? We need social support. I don't mean by social support that we need financial support always. We need love. We need company. We need friends. We need people whom we can call our own. So that has its place. But this ayah, it reminds us that blood relatives have their own place and that can never ever be ignored. Alright? So after this ayah, now the inheritance rights that had previously been given to believers with whom there was ukhuwa, now those rights were finished. Okay? So now only who would inherit? Those with blood relationships. Alright? So minal mu'mineen from among the believers wal muhajireen and amongst the immigrants. Alright? Meaning the immigrants who had migrated to Medina. Illa except. There is an exception that is made over here. That you may give them some of your property. Antaf'alu that you do. Ila awliya ikum towards your awliya, your close associates, meaning your friends. And who are these awliya? Your close best friends, your brothers and sisters in Islam. You do something towards them, ma'rufa, that which is appropriate, that which is acceptable. And what is this referring to? The one third, right? The wasiya that may be done in their favor. Alright? And that is the maximum that you can do. كَانَ ذَلِكَ That is فِي الْكِتَابِ In the book مَسْطُورَ Inscribed مَسْطُور From the root letters سِين طَارَ سَطَرَ To make a line To write in lines So this is something that has been written, recorded This is a decree So this must be observed Go ahead One third of the total estate Okay, that's the maximum it's not the minimum, but the maximum. Alright? Any other question about this? What's the lesson that you learned from this ayah for yourself? What inspiration do you take from this ayah for yourself? Your friend is a friend, and your mom is your mom. Okay? Your Qur'an teacher is your Qur'an teacher, and your father is your father. Never show disrespect to your father in love for your Muslim friends. You understand? So important. Adab. And you see, when we cross these lines, it leads to such forms of extremism and violence. 
that could make you sick. Literally, it makes you sick. That how could people be like this even? In the name of religion, committing zulm on relatives? Relatives that have so much haq on you? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them rights upon you? And this violence is being committed in the name of Islam? This is only an outward display of Islam. It's not real Islam. This is Islam, what the Qur'an teaches us. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذْ أَخَذْنَا And recall when we took مِنَ النَّبِيِّينَ From the Prophets مِثَاقَهُمْ Their covenant. From the Prophets, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took a covenant, a pledge, a firm promise. And what was that firm promise taken from the Prophets? That you must discharge the trust that you are being given. Meaning you must convey what you are to convey, what you have been obligated with. وَمِنْكَ And from you. The Prophet ﷺ is being reminded that this covenant was taken from all the Prophets, including you. وَمِنْ نُوحٍ And also from Nuh, وَإِبْرَاهِيمَ and Ibrahim, وَمُوسَى and Musa ﷺ, وَعِيسَى بْنِ مَرْيَمَ and Isa ﷺ also. All of these Prophets, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took what from them? A mithaq. Allah says, وَأَخَذْنَا مِنْهُمْ And we took from them, مِثَاقًا غَلِيظًا A mithaq, a covenant that was غَلِيظ غَلِيظ meaning solemn, قَوِي غَلِيظ is basically from the root letters غَيْن لَامْضَى And it's used for something that is solid, tough, severe. Alright? In the context, it's describing the covenant. So the covenant was firm, it was strong, it was sacred. Because this is a promise between who? The prophets and Allah. I mean, could there be a promise, a pledge, or a covenant more sacred than this? Mithaqan ghalidha. Now, the prophets that are mentioned over here, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Nuh alayhi salam, Ibrahim alayhi salam, Musa alayhi salam, Isa alayhi salam, how many are they? How many? Five. These five prophets, messengers, are also known as the Ulul Azm. Right? The Ulul Azm, prophets of Allah. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took from the prophets a solemn covenant. And what was that solemn covenant? That you must convey. You can't hide. You can't keep it. You can't keep the revelation to yourself. You can't keep the message with yourself. Think about it. When the Prophet ﷺ was given wahi, could he not just keep it to himself? Isn't that what the mushrikeen would say to him? You know, just keep it to yourself. Don't say anything to us. Don't preach. Right? The Prophet ﷺ could have done that. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obligated him to convey. And that is what brought him so much opposition. In Surah Ali Imran, Ayah 81, it's mentioned, وَإِذْ أَخَذَ اللَّهُ مِثَاقَ النَّبِيِّينَ And recall when Allah took the covenant of the Prophet saying, whatever I give you of the scripture and wisdom, and then there comes to you a messenger confirming what is with you, you must believe in him and support him. And Allah said, have you acknowledged and taken upon that my commitment? They said, we have acknowledged it. He said, then bear witness and I am with you among the witnesses. So basically, the covenant had two sides to it. First of all, convey. All right, And secondly, cooperate with and support one another. Because every messenger came and gave the news of a messenger to come after him. right? And told his followers to support the next messenger. Why is this being mentioned over here? The Prophet ﷺ is being reminded of his obligation, of his responsibility to convey. 
لِيَسْأَلَ So that he may question, meaning Allah will question الصَّادِقِينَ The truthful ones عَنْ صِدْقِهِمْ About their truth. Who are the truthful ones? It is the prophets of Allah. Allah will ask the prophets about what? About their truth. Their truth? Meaning their truth in delivering the message. Doesn't Allah already know that the prophets delivered their message? Doesn't Allah already know that? He knows. So why will He ask them on the Day of Judgment? Why? He will ask them, Did you convey? How was the response? The prophets will be asked. Why will they be asked? Even though Allah already knows. Exactly. So that they are a witness for or against their people. Because every criminal on the Day of Judgment will say, I don't know. I don't know. So when people will declare their innocence, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask the prophets, did you convey? And the prophets are who? As-sadiqeen. They're truthful. And when they will say that yes, we conveyed, then what does this establish? Justice. وَأَعَدَّ لِلْكَافِرِينَ عَذَابًا أَلِيمًا And he has prepared for those who deny a painful punishment. In Surah Al-A'raf, ayah number 6, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَنَسْأَلَنَّ الَّذِينَ أُرْسِلَ إِلَيْهِمْ وَلَنَسْأَلَنَّ الْمُرْسَلِينَ Certainly we will question الَّذِينَ أُرْسِلَ إِلَيْهِمْ The people to whom the prophets were sent and we will surely question those who were sent. Meaning the people as well as the prophets both will be questioned. And over here in particular, Allah says that He will question who? The prophets. And they are described as the truthful. If the truthful will be questioned, then what about what about the rest of us? If the prophets are going to be asked about their duty, what about us? The Prophet ﷺ said that I am your share among the prophets and you are my share among the different nations. Meaning, I am your prophet, and you are my ummah. So if the Prophet ﷺ is going to be asked about his duty towards the ummah, what about our duty towards the Prophet? Won't we be asked? So in summary, what do we learn from these verses? That these commands that are given in the surah, whether they are those that we have read so far, or those that will come later on in the surah, they are not according to the wishes of some man. They are Allah's commands. And they are a moral trust that He laid upon the prophets that they must convey. And He will question them. So this was a separate covenant taken from who? From only the prophets of Allah. Okay? This is mentioned at least in two places in the Quran about the mithaq of the prophets. And this is something that happened in the past, right? Meaning this happened before even Nuh was sent as a messenger. Alright? So this happened before, just like Ahd Alast was before people were created, just like that, this covenant that was taken from the prophets was taken before also. Alright? Okay. Recitation. النبي أولى بالمؤمنين من أنفسهم وأزواجه أمهاتهم 